Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Rugby League Talks. I'm Keegs and I'm joined by... Jacob, none other than Jacob. Oh, we're mate. very we're very consistent. Oh, yeah. At the moment, we're starting to show up more often. That's pretty good. Yeah. Time in rise needs to be better. Like, you need to stop taking breaks. <laughs> but, you know, we're here. It's We're here and that's what counts. It's Wednesday night. I'm finally Wednesday back night. my little trip. I'm the the Maguire trip. How good was that? Best week of how my many, life, I reckon. Yeah, how many good updates did we get from that? That was fantastic. Yeah, a couple of the, for those who don't know, I was in Mackay with a couple of footy boys uh, playing in the tournament. Uh, a couple of cowboy signees. Um, our, my halfback, a couple of props. It was, it was a good week. How good was Matty Hunter in that tournament, though? He was awesome, eh? Him and Brownie. <laughs> In our halves, <laughs> holy hell! That was so good. I think with the entire Cowboys Discord, I think I, uh, I know Josh was watching the games, and he he was like me when I saw the games, and I was watching Matty. I was just like, "Geez, like he can, he, he does his homework. That's oh, yeah. for sure. He he knows what he's doing when it comes to like when he sees guys coming in who to hit. He's bloody hell. He's such an exciting player to watch. And it's not even just all highlight stuff. It's just he does the textbook stuff so nicely." In the grand final, uh, he set up the first try and the way he just like scoots to the left a little bit, gets into that hole and allows our center to get the track. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's just those pure bits of nuance that you rewatch a few times and just like, that's absolutely genius. Like it's, it's nothing that's like insane that you'd see in like a Benji Marshall highlights compilation or anything, but it's just those really small things that open up these massive opportunities for everyone on the outside of him we had what, um what a player we had a wednesday off like just breaks and we're just talking about it all and we just couldn't believe what we were doing and how here's this for people who didn't watch we scored 194 points we got 10 points put on against us the entire it time. was it was something else it was iggy park confro domination Oh. And usually we get that a lot, but you know, when good people are coming through Iggy, that usually means good things for the Cowboys. How good was Henry long -term. for us? Henry, bloody hell. Bloody, okay, so he's from New Zealand and he got signed to Cowboys, right? Yeah. He comes to, he comes to Iggy and then he just dominates the entire, like we had people saying, can we get birth certificates for you, please? Because holy crap. We had people saying our award pack was like 20 year olds. I'm like, yeah, look, we may look like it, but I promise you we aren't. They're just, they, they, well, my they promise. All right. <laughs> they're, they're massive units, but they're committed as well. Like you could see, you know, Henry, we wasn't taking any shortcuts. He was just getting straight into it. Oh, it just, and you could, you could tell because you had that spine for you that was able to play off the back of it and they had. They had all the field position they needed, basically. And that's when we got to see, you know, Matty Hunter do those things, like making those small left scoots, targeting those inside shoulders of defenders and all that. Uh, I, I've never been so nervous for a grand final in my life, <laughs> but I shouldn't have been because I, I don't know. I just always get nervous for big games. Yeah. Yeah. Always rocked up and I'm like, maybe 15 minutes in. Nerves are gone. It's like, all right, let's play some footy. And we... Let's get to it. 32-0 against the uh, home 
home side. It was amazing. Um, we all got in a huddle after the game and we just said a prayer and like just thanked everyone. Um, but to so our, good. To the our, team chemistry is just great as well. Just obviously hearing all the stories from you and with the other boys. Awesome. Everyone was just having fun being there. It was, it was just awesome. But even though like I wasn't even there, I still felt like, yeah, I got to be part of it. Just like watching the game, seeing when they were just, it was amazing. There's, um, in the semifinals, because we were up against the people who knocked us out of the, um, regular season semis last year. Yeah. So that was our grand final, I think. And we beat them 12-6. It was the hardest game we played because we always played people and we always put 30 points on them. So putting only 12 was like, oh, wow. But that was the hardest fought victory we had. And I'm super proud of the boys. Um, I go up to one of our second rowers and I just, we just hug. I'm like, congratulations. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. And then I see Henry and Tiki and they're like just hugging and on the ground. And I'm like, bro, come here. Gave them a big, oh, pack. that fully earned in, in the that... live stream, I think. Yeah. Nah, well, you get, you get to those close games and that's when you really start to see the heart of those guys. Cause you know, it's, it's so easy to just kind of clock off even just for a few seconds, you know, and you get distracted or something, but they just, they just kept going at it. And, you know, by the end of the day, they got the result and it was just fantastic, you know, because obviously you can see how much it meant to everyone. Oh, it, it meant a lot to me because I've been doing this for three years now and for what those boys did, I'm super proud. Um, we had a, we had a bit of jokes along the way. Um, <laughs> someone sent it to the group chat, the Cowboys group chat. Oh God, that was hilarious. But I was like, oh wow. Um, we met a couple of TikToks and one of them involves me. So that was pretty funny. <laughs> it's the water boy. It's the water boy. That's, oh, it's so good. Oh, so with that, we've, we've also got, um, big boy footy, big boy footy state of state of origin. Um, so yeah, before, this is before be like this preview review thing. Yeah. This, this episode's basically going to be mostly origin focused. But before we get into this, I want to talk about the Cowboys win and uh, something something I wish that we had, that Chad Townsend has. Uh, we're not talking about his enormous shoulder muscles. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about, so he wrote a column in the Townsend Bulletin and one of the statistics he was talking about, because that's the thing Chad does, he writes his own column about his own games while he isn't vlogging his own life or being on his own radio show because Chad's everywhere. Um, he wrote in the column and he talked about how they prepared for the Broncos taking it up the middle because one of the statistics was the Broncos had towards the least two pass shifts in the NRL. Now, what gets me about this, Keegs, is that why we have stats like two pass shifts? That sounds so nerdy, but we want it because we just we, we want to know these things. No, but it's it's it is it's so good because yeah. you're able to tell which teams like to shift the ball more because you have some teams where the stats we have when it's either run meters or it's decoy runs, one out hit ups, which even I think one out hit ups is pretty nerdy. But oh, yeah. you have some teams that some teams like the Storm, if you took away their line breaks and their points, they would actually rank really, really low in lots of other stats. Yeah. And 
they're, they're kind of a statistical anomaly, especially compared to Penrith, who have lots and lots of one-out hit-ups. And it'd be things like two-pass shifts where we could possibly see if the reason that teams like Melbourne do so well is because of their ability to shift the ball. And if so, that'd tell us a bit more about, you know, just how good their spine is, how important guys like Munster is. And imagine if we could see the amount of shifts that start with a certain person at first receiver as well. Hastings leading it. <laughs> I, I don't even think they would because they're, I think. I reckon DCE would be up there. DCE and Hastings. Also, I think, I feel like Hastings throws lots of inside balls. Mm. And if he doesn't do that, he does like to throw it to a line run on just to get meterage because the Tigers, they're not really in a position to be shifting the ball much. No. I think the Tigers are kind of packed inside their own 30 meter line saying, please God save us with a penalty or something. Well, um, Gonko has been 15th. I wonder, I reckon Tigers would be last because, um, yeah, we'll just, I think either early out of their own end. They do. And another thing I'd like to add is I also think the Bulldogs, based on the Trent Barrett era, would be pretty odd. pretty odd because I remember there was the question asked by Michael Mealwood about, you know, getting the ball to Kyle Flanagan, who wasn't touching the ball much at the time. I think it was the least out of any sevens. Like, the percentage of their possessions that they had by a halfback were the least in the league for the Bulldogs, I think. Yeah. So... If they're not getting it to their primary playmaker as much, you'd think that they're not shifting the ball much unless they've got like a bunch of Victor Radleys out there. But we we obviously know that that is not the case for the uh, Canterbury Max 10 Bulldogs. Well, I think it was Trent Barrett's last game as coach. Jacob Carraz, a ringer, had more touches of the ball than Kyle Flanagan. Yeah, no, it's... um. It's insane. You really have to ask, like, what was happening. And obviously, the Bulldogs did. And that's, we saw it as soon as uh, Mick Potter came in. Flanagan was touching the ball way more. So, yeah. And there's it's a really been more potent since then. Much more. And it's not even because it's Flanagan creating, it's just because he's bought more time for Matt Burton. Because, yeah. you know, I think that's, that's something a lot of people don't exactly consider you know you, your seven doesn't always have to be the flashiest and I quite think we kind of see this with Townsend and some other guys sometimes it's just a matter of putting the more creative guys into the right position yeah and because you know it's Chad he can easily just dish it off to drink water and as long as drink water's in space he can do his thing and that's why we're seeing drink water rack up you know I think it's tied second most try assist in the comp now despite only only playing like end of the games i think something like that so he's he's having a hell of a season yeah but drink robbed from uh the new south wales camp there we go and that is a nice segue into origin speak so the news from today is that nico hines tested positive on a instant test for covid uh he has to go and get the proper pcr test done and they'll figure out what happens from there but what's happened is Brad Fittler has confirmed that Chad Townsend is the guy he's chosen to replace Hines if Hines can't come back. So he'll be training with them tomorrow. Um, what it? News just in like two hours ago. Hines dropped Trindle in for Sharks tomorrow oh. against the Storm at Amy Park. Wow, I think... Oh, no, Amy. Cronulla, side. It... So, you probably don't want to show up your first time in a bit against the Storm. 
But that's it. Storm did look pretty shaky last week. So yeah, well, if 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 Trentel's on, then obviously we've seen Matt Moylan's in some pretty good form. Maybe you never know. Just, but of course, you know, I'm going to be talking about this to be a tight game, and then it'll be like forty nil or something because that's just how things go. Oh yeah, when I you're predicting footy. This one. Yeah, Baffenhausen's back, so. Actually, Hopefully he, he was plays five eight. Uh mini. Really? Yeah. Yeah, right. I would have thought you put Cooper Johns in. Yeah, no, you'd think so, but I think he didn't play too well when they threw him at earlier. And Nick Meany, he's been around the first grade sidewalk. That's fair enough, then. Um Oh, also be so, Rudolph was also out of COVID. Yeah, that's that's going to be a pretty big one, I think, for the Sharks. Andrew Fafita is back into the starting side, and my super coach is, is loving it. Well, I think I traded Fafita out of fantasy a while ago. I think, I can't remember when or why, but I tell you what, everyone thought I was ridiculous for choosing him at the start of the year. Uh, I think I had the last laugh on that one. You put up some pretty solid numbers for a guy that you get for like 200k. Oh yeah, I still have him, but like now my entire, I, I got to scramble. <laughs> That's going to be like my big <laughs> thing tomorrow. How the hell do I make a team without Nico? I have Pappenhausen. I, I got him in. Um, I got yeah. Larry, Cody Walker, Scott Drinkwater, Hines and Pappy as my spine, as my like big fighter. Theory captain, always. Oh yeah. Oh, and anyways, yes. Um, so, state of origin. One thing I spoke to you about yep. this uh, last week uh, when yep. you took over the page. The yep. starting sets of both games were so different. Oh, I think the the back line for Queensland they seemed a bit shaky. Uh, I think it was something Billy Slater talked about with just the loss of concentration that some of them had. Uh, and that makes sense when you're throwing in, you know, a pretty young back line. But New South Wales, they were the opposite of it. Yeah. So they, I actually they made a... Because I had to add them all up from game two. Yeah. yeah. All right. Back five for... So back five for New South Wales, game two. 870 run run meters. What? 37. That is. Tackles, five missed tackles. 218 post contact meters. Jesus Christ. That's. For context, you know, that's a few hundred meters better than an entire team would get in a normal. Yeah. In our own game. That's. And for them to do that just with their back five, I think. I think you can pretty clearly see what um, Freddie's strategy was that one. Was with that one. They threw in a bunch of good tackling people in the forward pack. You know, Mun, Murray, Gerbo, and just let the back five do all the work. And clearly it's working. Well, Gerbo was a massive conclusion, uh, inclusion in this game. He was. I So I watched the second game out of my own hatred um, today. Just like to get notes on it. Uh, and what, like I said, what struck out to me was the opening sets. So comparing the first set, uh, so Queensland received both times. 
So the first game, I think it was a really good start for Queensland. They made the halfway mark. And what we were speaking about earlier, they shifted the ball on the fourth tackle, on the fifth tackle. Mm. And then they kicked with Munster. So they get, they reach, um, the 50 meter line, they expand on, expand on fourth. And what I notice is that they run, they won three out of their five tackles. So they were able to win those tackles. Hmm. Then coming out of that, the, I, I would argue that New South Wales had the better first attack in the first game, first attacking set. Uh, so mm. the kick reaches the 20. They only win two of their tackles, but then they get a six again. Mm. Uh, and that was partially because they also spread the ball earlier than what Queensland did. And that was thanks to Haas. So they've got no Haas mm. this week, which is going to be a big uh, loss, I reckon, because Haas has been really good for them. Mm. So yeah, two wins off the tack, tacklings. Uh, then they get into some shape. So they go, so they're on the left side tram line. Yeah. Pass to RCG. And then he gets tackled. And then mm. we go into what, uh, Panthers shape as what I like to call it. Cause Panthers like to run it. So you have yeah. yo first receiver, you have Haas running lead and then out the back, you have Cleary. Cleary skips to the right, going towards the um, inside shoulder of Munster. And at this point, there are only three defenders of, for Queensland, defending about 30 meters, I would say. So that's Munster, Holmes, and Coates, Xavier Coates. Mm. So. Did, I don't think Coates was playing. I think it was Cobbo and... Oh, no, for game one of like, say, oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Um, so they go short and so with Cleary skipping and going inside shot of Munster, yep. they also have Teddy out the back and that mm. leads to Holmes biting into Teddy and going yep. short to Liam Martin. Now Liam Martin drops the ball here. So Queensland were very lucky with that regard because I reckon they would have New South Wales would have scored there, but mm. you can really see when you have these first attacking sets in origin, very important is this sets the precedent and the first tackle of the, of the first game set the precedent because they had that properly. He just rocked his AO and there's like, they got some fight in the Queenslanders and the defense of New South Wales was wasn't the greatest it didn't look like it didn't have a lot of energy but they do just queensland do the same thing again in game two they go to papalihi and bang he gets put on his back and they lose the first tackle so then new south rails just hammer them and they own and queensland only reach the 30 meter mark they only gain 20 meters throughout the entire set wow it's pretty hard to kick out of those situations too, especially when you know that the people that are going to receive the kick is either Tupo, Biza, or Teddy, which yeah. are arguably the, if you had to choose three guys in the comp, you don't want returning your kick. 
I'd say those are the three guys. So that's obviously you could see the strategy that Freddie's gone for there, where it's like win your tackles, pin the team, and then return the kick, and you can get so much meterage off that. And when you look at how well oils the attack is, you know, when we're talking about that yo first receiver, Cleary skipping out to the right, skipping out to the left if he's on the other side. You know, there's obviously a lot of versatility to it, especially with our Teddy's jockey runs as well. She's a fantastic playmaker. Well, yeah, like, like I said earlier, Teddy, Teddy is just a dangerous man you have to watch, and that's what Holmes is looking for. He just beat into yeah. Teddy. And it's like Which I don't even... I don't even think that was the worst decision from Holmes because when you're strapped for numbers like that, you know, go straight to the playmaker. Just yeah, do what you have to because, you know, it's what the Cowboys have been doing all year. We saw them do it to Reynolds on quite a few occasions now. Um, to, yeah, both times. So, yeah, I think that's another thing to look at is I think that not having the more mobile forwards in guys like Corner did become a bit of an issue for Queensland, especially in winning the tackles. Because if there's anything that Ruben Cotter is really good at, it's winning the tackles. It's getting guys on their backs, hitting them hard, making good first contacts. Well, Kafusi and Cotter, for me, were what really helped that first set. And no Cotter. So, yeah. And no Cotter again next week. So what would happen? No Kafusi either. No Kafusi, which is... I think that said, I don't think Gilbert is a bad inclusion for the purposes of winning tackles. I think he's another guy that I think he tackles over 90%, but that's, you know, making tackles and winning them, they're very different things. Yeah. But coming from the Cowboys who they've tackled pretty well, I think we saw them against the Broncos, they did quite good to nullify, uh, especially their forwards. You know, it's not an easy task to do that. Though. Especially with think- those forwards. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, this is the next guy up because, you know, if Haas isn't playing, then oh well. You've got um, Corey Jensen stepping up. And, you know, Corey, he's been fantastic this year. He runs the ball. He takes every hit up he can. I guess that's what you want. You just want that work rate. Makes all his tackles too. 100%. He's one of the guys that the Cowboys probably would have been justified in keeping. But I guess with their middles this year, you can't really complain too much. No, and Jordan McLean gets a starting. Is he starting for New South Wales? Yeah, he is starting. He yeah. is. That's, I don't think anyone expected that. No, I didn't. I think that was, I I certainly didn't. I I don't mind Macca. I think he, he does pretty solid when he's on, he's on. Uh, but I think the reason that they've chosen him is because he makes his tackles and he gets quick play the balls, which... Origin definitely comes down to that. Well, you can see just selecting game two and game three from Fittler. Fast play to balls is what he wants because he never got fast play to balls in Origin in game one. That was yeah. Well, he said we need just control of a ruck. Yeah, well, not just fast play to balls, but also slowing down the play to balls of Queensland. And we see um, Jake Trebojevic and his tackle technique. He's probably one of the best in the NRL when it comes to getting a guy on their back and making sure that they can't just play the ball on their front. And that's why I was probably a bit baffled by the fact he didn't get included. Because a lot of people talked about his form for Manly and the fact he's not really making metres. 
but you've got a guy who plays around 70 to 80 minutes and makes, we well, just tackles anything that walks, you know, he's, I'm sure if he goes to the supermarket that probably at least three of them get put on their backs by the time he walks out, you know, that's just how <laughs> Jake Jaboyevich is. So it was, I was quite surprised to not see him in the squad for the first game. I guess I'm, I'm happy to see him in the team, but as a Queenslander, you know, he's, I liked it when Jerbo wasn't in the team as a Queenslander. Especially the <laughs> but, rise. I think something New South Wales improved on immensely in this is their energy. Um, yeah, no, well, I think the Sinbin, and this is something I want to talk about a bit too. A lot of people kind of have this perception of Sinbins that once you defend the Sinbin, that you're, you're safe and it's back to normal. But it's it couldn't be the further from that because you have to pick up each player has to pick up a higher workload when the player is out. And that's going to fatigue them later in the game because they've had to spend all that energy doing that. Oh, yeah. We've got 44 it's... points put on us. You can see that. Yeah. There's no yeah, way New South Wales could have put 44 points on all, us. Yeah, one, but... All of that was second half. That was still a close game. And we, the fact is the Queensland were winning up until that last minute of the first half. Because, you know, we had that try from Monster. So that was clearly a very tight game up until that happened. And I think that is part of what makes Game 3 so interesting because it's pretty easy to write off a lot of that second game to fatigue and poor decision-making instead of just a lack of effort. Oh, look. Going into Game 3 is going to be... I think they're going to be nervous, and I am too, because even though we're at Suncorp, you have all these guys who are just coming off a big loss. New South Wales yeah. hot win, winning hot win. That like, like I said, Jerbo defensively amazing. There was the um, Ponga got the ball and he was making a break, and Jerbo just just tackles him and it just slows down, slows down to play the ball again. Yeah. You can't, you can't get on your front with Jerbo. You don't, there's no easy play the balls. He makes you work for that really basic thing of winning the rock. And once again, I think that's something that people don't really understand about the value he brings to a team because once again, it's like, oh, Jerbo's a slug. He, he doesn't get quick play the balls himself. He doesn't run hard. He, I don't think people understand the value of winning that specific battle with tackling. Well, like you said, going, coming back from half time, we had eight minutes left of Kafusi in the bin. We are tackling our butts off. We're so fatigued. And in the last 10 minutes, you can see that. Like, oh yeah. There's, it's. Like I said, it's, and Billy Slater said this as well, you know, there was, it was no lack of effort. It was clearly just fatigue. Well, I noticed early on, it looked as if New South Wales are always putting pressure on us. <laughs> so, because we were kicking early. And yeah, you can say kicking early was a strategy to like set our defensive and like grind out the field mm. position. But that did, later on in the game, that didn't help us because they were just doing runoffs and we'll get, and they were gaining with like five to 10 meters each run. 
Mm. Like when Cobo knocked it on, they had a seven tackle set and they were able to get from the 20 meter from their end to our 10 meter. And then that's when all the, um, bloody six again started getting called and when Holmes got called for obstructing the contest. Um, mm. and that's what, that was another chain reaction. They got Kafusi Sinbind and then that, well, I laid out our entire game on that little play, like not, not putting strain on Cobo, like not bagging him out. Yeah. But that little thing, it was a chain reaction to what everything else happened. And like you said, it's not a bad Cobo because he's, well, he, he's pretty much our age, basically. He's, he's a very young guy and he's been thrown into a very high pressure environment. Um, but like you said, it's just moments like that and they cause off those chain reactions because, you know, one thing leads to another in rugby league, like we spoke about with the sin bin where, it, you know, it, it might've happened around the 30 something minute, but it, it has effects towards, you know, that very last set of six. And I think that's probably something Billy's going to be focusing on, just trying to get the boys to focus more. And if, if you can't have an amazing set, that's one thing, but at least just try and keep the ball. Trust that boot of Cherry Evans, you know, get that quick play, the ball on fourth tackle, third tackle, fourth tackle, so that way the New South Wales back line can't set itself up as well. And something I wouldn't mind either is, you know, kick to the sidelines. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how cooked of a suggestion this is. You might have to tell me, but if we've got the boot for it, I know that wingers position themselves to cut it off, but what if we, you know, start doing some cheeky shift plays and then try and find a way to kick to try and get it to the sidelines? Because we won't have the same distance, but maybe it negates the amount of free running from the back three. I suppose the caveat to it, though, is that they get to run scrum plays, which you never really want. Uh, actually, no, they don't. No, really you don't get scrum. It's a supply. No, you don't. That's oh. Well, maybe they just take the hit ups anyway. If it goes out, it's better off just get yeah, having the kick chase. Well, what you're describing there is called a jail kick. You have your you take yeah. by ten, so like you ten out, and then you ten from the sideline, and then yeah. you usually have yeah eight people, ideally eight, chasing that kick. And when you have Toho under pressure like that, who's a small bloke, you have Cobo and Tuolangi as your wingers. It's not such a bad idea. My only thing is it would mainly have to be DCE doing that. Cause I don't think Munster, I don't think Munster has that big of a boot. Yeah. Be mistaken. That was, cause I guess there's all, they're all questions that Billy's going to have at the end of the day. But it's interesting because I think that's a lot of what game three is going to depend on. You know, we have ruck speed, but it's also going to be how do you negate that back five for New South Wales? Because that's clearly where their meter is just coming from. Oh, yeah. Especially when, like, looking at the stats here, the back five ran for all of the forward pack. And that's including the interchange, Ben. Yeah. And just the back three ran for over 600 meters. You know, the back three, they all had over 200 each. 
which is, you know, 200 is an insane thing for one player, let alone three of them. You know, like usually you try and kick to someone to try and take the other guys out of their hit up sometimes as a strategy, but it's hard to do that when, you know, the other options are just as bad. It's going to be a kick to, mm. you know, like you, you kick to what Tedesco to try and take him out of the hit up. Well, now he's got the kick return and then who's taking the hit up next? It's, it's Bizar or it's Tupo. It's, it's a really hard thing for Queensland to manage. Oh, it's Critter coming in for it. Oh, and Critter was the person with the most, well, not with the most, sorry, the least run meters that entire. I think he only yeah. got, I don't, I don't even think he got a hundred. Let me check. No, he didn't get a hundred. Was it like 80 something? Wow. That, I'm just waiting because we all know how Stephen Crichton can be so good with his athleticism. We saw it in yeah. the grand final last year. I'm waiting for that big Stephen Crichton. Intercepted by Crichton. Yes, I'm waiting for that. And that's going to break my heart because I know, all right, I, they got the trophy. But no, I, I don't know. I think I think I trust Cam Munster a bit more than I trust Cody Walker. So is Brad Fiddler. Mm. Did he even get selected? I, <laughs> so what are we? Only 43 run meters from, yeah, from Kudos. Surprisingly oh. low. I think, I think that's okay for them. Um, they don't really need their centers to take hit ups the same way you you know mm. teams like the Cowboys do with Hiku, and um Holmes because they've got, well they've got so much happening just with their back three, the people at the very back, uh to the point where and I think they gain so many meters to the point where the forwards end up being onside. Yeah. which is another massive advantage to having a back three that can run lots of meters because it means that you're actually getting your forwards involved much earlier than a team who's getting came back and doesn't have anyone on side. And what adds more danger to this back three, to this back five, sorry, is you have Matt Burton, he's kicking. You have, yeah. You have that's, the, that's an incredible luxury to have. You've got the guy who can kick the highest torpedo probably ever seen in rugby league basically um and oh, sorry holy hell yeah no uh, i any any time that Kalungi or Cabo drop one of the bombs i i just feel empathy for them you know like sometimes as a watcher you, a viewer of footy you kind of go oh you idiot why didn't you take that but that's i'll never feel that if the guy drops a that burton bomb because I'll be honest with you, I can't even catch my own torpedoes at the park. I don't even kick good ones. So I don't know how hard it's going to be to take something like that from Burton. And that's that's on top of already having Cleary's kicking game to deal with. So that's... So, so that, just, that just adds more pressure to Queensland. You don't just have Cleary and Luai to target. You usually just target Cleary. Now you have this bloke in the centres... Who's defending, who's attacking out wide, where you now have to get out wide and put pressure on him, who then puts pressure on your back three to catch the bloody ball. It is. Wow. If so, if Zuga was doing that, there was, we would have lost the game 50 to nil. If he was doing what? Defending. What's he done? Oh. 
I, I remember now. Yeah. Four times. Four times. He's, he's made one comment about Sudoku not being able to defend out wide. And we haven't let him sleep since. <laughs> I'll send it. I'll send this clip to him later. Good on you. I think it was funnier when he got selected for Fiji as well. And he ends up playing second rower. So we get to make the same jokes all over again that he's not playing center because he can't defend out wide. Did he, he didn't even play the game, did he? He didn't. He didn't. Oh. He got selected a second row. I'm willing to bet that it was because the jersey didn't fit. <laughs> because that's, I don't know if you've noticed, but every time he plays for the Blackhawks, he's the starting center, but he's always in jersey 22, never jersey 4 or 3. Which is, it's really funny and it's really interesting. Because you think by now. Blackhawks game. I'm going to ask that. I promise you. Yeah, do it. Just thank you. Because, and also ask about the mystery of why he's always wearing 22. Because surely the Council Black Horse can find a jersey that works. <laughs> it's it's going to be like this never-ending story. You know, it's it's like Alex Twile getting a try. Is Sadrigu <laughs> ever going to get a jersey that fits? Is, is he ever just going to wear the normal number? I've made a, I've made a pact to myself. The, the day Alex Troll schools, I'm eating a kebab for dinner because he's living. You're not going to be getting any kebabs for a while. I don't think. Yeah. Look, I just may have to have everyone to crunch my first or one, but you know, I'm in a bit peckish for one nightly. Um, sorry. <laughs> So we'll go into full um, because I'm a little um, off track talk. But like, all right. What I liked about Queensland and Summerguard was when Grant came onto the field, Ben Hunt went into that like lock position. So you had Munster, Grant, Hunt, Clip, uh, DCE, and KP all there. And our first try that we set up is with, with Kafusi, on which Butterway, the pass from KP was forward by a mile, I, I gotta say, but you have, if, if you get close enough to throw the short wall and start covering guys, why not? Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta go full NFL quarterback. <laughs> um, I will say though, the line engagement before that try was actually very hot. I loved that. Oh yeah, it was amazing. Obviously, it would have been nice if they got the timing better, so it wasn't a forward pass. But it was, I think, it was another example of how much Caleb Ponga adds to the ball playing element of Queensland. Because when you, I, I don't think the Queensland spine is the issue when it comes to playing against the Blues. I think it always is just that backline. Yeah. Because you know, last year they didn't just have Fox, Abiza, and Tedesco. They also had Latrell and Turbo. Yeah taking carries, which is insane. That's a and, back four yeah. if you don't want to come up against. It's, it's just, it's the best back five in the world. If the world basically, year, that would have been our back five. The excluding, absolutely Topo, excluding Topo because he's, yeah, he, yeah, he's not. Yeah. But that's ugh, it's ridiculous. And I think that makes, that's probably the importance of the forwards, weirdly enough, I think the forwards for Queensland need to win their battles so we don't see the New South Wales backs in open space and we're able to kind of compress them with line speed in their own end, which is something I think we saw a bit in that first game where 
while you still had some new South Wales backs going into big numbers, you know, to this go had a pretty good running game, that game, but they weren't able to run as rampant as they did in game two. Yeah, well, that just comes down to the ruck again, but now that we have two key players missing with Kafusi and Cotter, but one thing that's been on my mind is Josh Papalihi. Mm. He played 16 minutes in the first game and then 26 in the second. So he barely played a, he's barely played a half. Yeah. And I think that's, it's over in origin. (laughs) I don't think so. I think there's a reason that he's there and it's because he gets pretty good meters off those opening carries. You know, if you think of all the forwards in the NRL that you want to take an opening hit up in origin, Josh Papalini off the back fence is probably the way you want to go. Yeah. And I think what Billy, and this is his strategy versus what we did with Paul Green last year, is he uses him in these very small increments where he can just go absolutely all out. Like, I don't think I've ever seen Papalini as gassed as he did when he came off after his 16 minutes in game one. And it wasn't because Papali was incredibly unfit. It was because he was putting in not even 110%, probably like 111%, to be honest. He's pushing his own limits. And he obviously worked out well because we got to win those opening exchanges. So I don't think I'd call it off for Papali. I think we're just looking at a new usage of him. Yeah. Uh, Kind of what we see with, um, obviously, we see. Tamalolo's usage change from being, you know, the only guy to ever take a hit up ever to being a guy that takes them in tandem with the other forwards. Well, I think that I was confused about. That's the, like, this is what I'm going on about. And yeah. only one stint. There's, it's just a one stint. And that's at the start yeah. of the game. That's, I would have thought. You put him on for Trenty in the first half and in the, sorry, last 15, you put him on or last 10 in the second half, but just kept him off the entire time. Yeah. Well, I think that's more symptomatic of the strategy to try and keep more mobile forwards and try and win that ruck instead of just constantly go for post-contact meters. Because Papley, he, he actually did have a very quick play of the ball in game two, uh, but would you rather get Papali at a hundred percent or have him, you know, a hundred and ten percent for a shorter amount of time or ninety percent and play longer minutes? You know, and that's I think it's the same thing with guys like Tamalolo or even Andrew Fafita, um, in their current iterations with the more modern game where you see the back five influencing meters and carries a lot more. That is very true. You make a very good point there. Yeah, it's it's very interesting to see the usage of him and the usage of other forwards in the series. And why we're probably leaning towards guys more like Harrigan, um, Potter, players like that who get the quick play the ball and make their tackles versus the more traditional big boppers who get lots of meters. Because, you know, once upon a time, and not even that long ago, just a few years ago, if you'd asked who the best props of the game were, you would have said, you know, Josh probably... Josh Papali'i, Andrew Fafita, Aaron Woods, 
you know, Jason Tamalolo at Locke, Sam Burgess, big guys, yeah, big boys, chunky ones, you know. And if you ask today who's some of the best middle forwards in the comp are, you get guys like Haas, Carrigan, Eno, uh, you know, you get very different answers. Um, you probably get a few answers for guys like Gerbo, guys like Yo. Murray. Um, yeah, Murray, Radley. And, you know, they're, they're very, very different players. They're not the guys who just take hit-ups. They're guys who can ball play, who can win their tackles from a more technical standpoint. Obviously, we see a lot of them used to be players that played hooker. We're seeing that hooker to prop transition a lot more, hooker to lock. So that's a very interesting change of the game uh, from a strategic standpoint. Well, just looking at the forward stats here, the entire pack made 776 metres. Is that for game two? New South Wales, Queensland. Yeah, New South Wales. Yeah. Compared to Queensland, 455 metres. Well, that's, that's a pretty big gap. But yeah. I think if you were to do it as a ratio, I think that the gap would be much bigger for the outside backs. Yes. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like if you were to divide the New South Wales back five metres divided by the Queensland back five metres, I think that the number for that would be higher than if you were to do it for the forwards. Mm. Well, because they um, pretty much carried that game, I think. Yep. They, there's nearly a 500 metre gap between the back five of New South yeah. and Queensland. Yeah. So you see the gap being only 200 metres for the forwards. Yeah. And you see, I start, what, what did possession look like for the game? 60 to 40. Well, there you go. That's, if you look at the ratio of the meters, because what, what were the meter totals for Queensland and New South Wales uh, for forwards? Uh, the meter totals for New South Wales, 776. Yeah. To Queensland's 455. Okay, so that gives us 1,231 total meters. Plus the um, halves that I didn't add up. So, okay, here we go. All run meters for New South Wales, 1,818 to Queensland's 1,035. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so the percentage of the, the total forward run meters, New South Wales had 63% of them. And if they had around 60% possession, that's actually a somewhat even forward pack. Right. That's, that's actually somewhat even. So I think just that right there speaks volumes as to how influential that back five. I know we keep saying back five, but I think we need to talk about back three, specifically with Tedesco, Biza, and Tupo all having over 200 meters. Mm -hmm. And that's, wow, you really, wow. Because that is phenomenal. That is something else. That is, and I think I might even raise the point that I think that's why they probably should have gone for Corey Oates instead of Murray Tologi. I don't think we should change it. I don't think we should drop Tologi because I think that would be stupid. I think it'd kill his confidence. Yeah. I think it'd, it'd be like back flipping on what we've, the principles we've stuck to because Tologi is a fantastic player. But if we knew that, do you think if, you knew that there was going to be that much of a disparity that you'd think about bringing in those, you know, massive meter cracking wings like Oates. Mm. 
I would. It's, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I think I would too if I knew that that's how the game was going to go and it was going to be I'm so dominated. Too, to be honest. Honestly, same. Why not? <laughs> At this point. In 2020, why not bring Gregor in you? Yeah, honestly, it's... As much as we're kind of meaning at this point, it's actually, it's actually a reasonable point. Why not just have Marzu yeah. and um, Oates as our wingers? Because <laughs> I think that's going to be our take of the week. We need to post that to the page. That's is it? Oh, we need like a segment where we just say things that are absolutely insane but could almost work. Yeah, because that is that is actually compelling. It is. I'm, I'm probably going to like see this take and think, God, that was such a stupid thing to ponder. But that's actually interesting. What? Because if that's what the game comes down to, yeah. as it has. It has. It, you can see in the stats that we've said, Queensland were dominated by 800 meters altogether. I don't think a side yeah. has ever been dominated by 800 meters before. Maybe game one of last year, which I'm going to check right now. Actually, I don't think I can. No, it's just the absolute enormity of that disparity between the outside backs. Oh, it's... I don't know what to say about that. It was like, looking at it, they tried their butts off. Like, Yeah, no, they... They did everything they could, but I think it's just, you know, you, how much does Selwyn Colo weigh versus how much does Brian Toa weigh? Like, how much muscle do they have per kilogram? It's absolute specimen. They make fantastic first contact. And I think, you know, I think long-term it might balance out, but it's definitely something we've got to try and deal with now. It's like you said, it's so funny because Marzi doesn't really crack the Titans squad every week. But why, yeah. why not at this stage? Like if we, if the disparity is the same, then bloody hell, let's do it. Well, what could possibly go. go wrong? So looking at last year's game one, when we lost to New South Wales, 50 to six. Yeah. 1,841 from New South Wales to 1,261 from Queensland. So... Wow. So we we actually did better in that game than we did in this one in terms of the outside backs, all the meters. Yeah. Um, the most run meters by each team, 233 from Brian Toro, which was nearly the same from this game, to 146 from Holmes. Who had Valentine Holmes, was he playing at fullback in that game? He was playing, yes, he was playing fullback. Yeah, because I think a bit of that would be kick returns. And yeah. Holmes wasn't playing very well in fullback that season either. As much as I love Holmes, compared to this season in Centaur, where he, he worked with a sprint coach in the off-season, he's, he's really committed himself to the position. You know, he's actually done quite well defensively as well. Yeah. He, he loves making that first contact on the playmakers. Same with Tolongi. Um I think those are big questions. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you think, do you start to drop back Holmes for those kick returns? Hmm. 
because obviously it's not our job to fix the Queensland team, but we should, I don't know, Papa Lee to Winger, I guess. <laughs> is, that, is that all we can do at this stage? Just hope. It's like the Tamalo to fullback jokes that everyone used to make on Cowboys forums. Look, I wouldn't be against it. I think that's a good idea. You have Cobo, KP, and um, Holmes there for kick mid of the turns. And then you have Muzz and Dane Gagai back in the senses. But, like, that's only for kick meter returns. Yeah, just only for kick returns. Because don't, um, obviously, you don't want to have um, slugging in the centers and Holmes on the wing when you're breaking up the combination that's worked so well yeah. in clubland. But it's it's just a fascinating way to look at it. Also, I, on the topic of Greg Mazu, I just want to say that the lowest that he's ran all season is 106 meters. Get him in, get him in the care, Billy. Get him in the care. Get, get him in the care. And the highest he's ran is 272. <laughs> uh, he's, he's cracked the 200 barrier twice. And that these are just the stats for all the games he's played this year. Uh, I'll rattle them off. 120, 222, 117, 143, 148, 137, 114, 195, 106. 272, 137, and then 170. That's insane. What the hell? Yeah, no, it's um pretty big. And wait until you see his tackle bus numbers. The highest tackle bus he's had is 15. Mm-hmm. 15 in a game. You heard that. A lot of guys would be happy to break 15 tackles at this point in the season, let alone in a single game. He scores 3, 11, 1, Seven, 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 six, twelve, five, fifteen, four, and three. What the hell? That <laughs> actually okay, which means that he's had eighty one tackle breaks this season. Eighty one season. And mind you that that's in um only playing twelve games so far. Is 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 Greg Marcy one of the best meter-making outside backs in the cold? He's underrated, in my opinion, now. Holy hell. Same, just rattling those off. Get him and it's not like... Against he... each other. You know what? <laughs> right I don't three, think the stadium's going to survive And, like, just see who wins. Get Toho and Marju to run it straight at each other. The, the mining companies are going to start using that to start digging up things now. <laughs> They're going to create these massive explosions just getting busy and Marzu sprinting at each other. No, that's... That's how we're going to start that, the Adani mine. <laughs> this is how... No, if only that's the way we could start our sets. That's... I think... Like I said earlier this week in the group chat, I think he's starting to become a liability and that's Dane Gagai. Mm, Defensively... This is... Yeah... He's missed 16 tackles <laughs> in two games. And it's it's worse because that's what you count on him for. Yeah. You, you don't bring Gagai in because he does flashy things. You bring him in because he makes his meters and he makes good defensive reads. But he hasn't been... His tackles haven't been sticking. 
And you have to start to think, you know, maybe, just maybe, you look at bringing someone else into that center position. Um, what what options do you have there? Those, thinking. You know, Hammer is obviously the first guy that comes to mind because he's played center at origin level before. But there's... Is he obviously defensive, though? There's obviously, you know, he's obviously not the only option. Um, yeah, it's it's a big conundrum. My thing is, if you're going to take Gagai out, you're going to have to bring someone that is a better defender. And he's up for the challenge of Origin. And at the moment, I don't see anyone else. Like, obviously, Emma has played Origin. But yeah. He, I don't, I don't, is Gagai, is he better than Gagai in defending? Probably not. Well, uh, he hasn't missed the 16 tackles in the past two games, I guess, but I don't know. He hasn't been playing much club footy either, which is what makes it such an audible idea. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's one thing to play 80 minutes in the normal footy match, but to play 80 minutes of origin is another thing. And it's not as if Hammer isn't up to it. It's just that he hasn't done it in a while. Yeah. And we, I think a lot of people said that were Queensland supporters last year. All right. Hammer, tick. Now we just need yeah. 16 other spots to fill and fix them. We have 16 other problems. Yeah. And I think what's made that awkward is that Holmes has been such a good center. Yeah. To the point where you obviously want Holmes in center. Uh, so it's just Gagites. Who's the next center? Because I think Selwyn Cobo was, that's, that was where he was playing before he was on the wing. But because he hasn't been playing there in club land, you don't really want to throw a winger and put them in center, knowing the amount of defensive reads that they're going to have to be doing. Another option is Reese Wall, who's officially a Bronco. Again. <laughs> Um, Unfortunately, he's not officially a center, though. So we yeah. have to decide how. Do you do a bad because... move and put a 5'8 or fullback into a center? <laughs> Jack White, that's in Queensland. Mm. It's the new measure. Um, just put Tom Dearden in there at this point. Do we even care? Yeah, what? Stuff it. <laughs> put Tommy Dearden in there. You know what? I... What could possibly I go wrong? Think about that. <laughs> he doesn't have to run the ball he just has to sit there and make tackles and it's, it's pretty much that's that's it someone there to counter burden burton if he kicking well I, I don't think he's i don't think i've seen tom didn't kick a torpy all right maybe not in that regard but then you have a third kicker option <laughs> this is this is slowly becoming the What's the most insane thing that we can do to fix Queensland? We've gone from Greg Marzio and we've gone from Marzio and Oates as the wingers to saying that we should put Tom Dunan in centre. You know, what, what, what's Wendell Sailor doing? What's, what's Steve Renoff been doing lately? He's been making pretty cooked selections in his Australia form team, that's for sure. Who? Who's been doing that? Uh, Renoff. What, what has he done? I don't know. He's done something every week. The form teams have come out today. I'll get it out. Um, uh, it's here. We go. I'll get it loaded in a second. Morgan had an all right team. Renner's had some questionable decisions, um, which is usually what he's known for mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to choosing 
the team. So here we go. So we have uh, Josh Papali is one of the form props in the competitions. I like him. I really do. But would no. you put him? No. Yeah. Would you put him as a starting prop for Australia? I'm like, Probably not. I don't even think Probably he'll be not. playing for Australia this year. Um, playing for Samoa. Yeah. Um, second, he's put Damien Cook as the starting nine. Oh, okay, I can back that up. Cookie's been good. Except he's put Ben Hunt and Harry Grant on the bench. Okay, both of them. that's where I draw the line. Yeah. See, I. If you ask me who the best nine in the comp is, I'm saying Harry Grant. I don't think you should start him though. Um, no. But. Damien Cook, I, I'd rather put him in the Damien Cook. Um, especially if you're going to have Ben Hunt there. Mm. Why not just start Hunt at nine and bring Grant off the hooker? That's, you know, it makes sense, doesn't it? Or do what Queensland did for like five years. Literally. Yeah, well, it's, it's literally what Queensland did. Um, yeah, move, like, uh, take your lock. Another thing I was very disappointed in is that he did not select Tom Dearden 1 to 17. Uh, I think any good team needs Tom Dearden playing every single position. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and just remember, boys and girls, uh, Tom Gilbert has never lost an Origin game, so we have that up our sleeve. That's that's true. Neither is Chad Townsend, though. So New South Wales might be pretty lucky in that regard. Chad Townsend has never lost a grand final or an Origin series. Okay, but how many? Okay. I wanted to. How many keep your head up? Will you get when Chad when Chad is playing um, New South Wales? I think I think it'll be in direct proportion to the amount of let's goes that you get. Yeah, let's go, let's go, keep your head up, let's go, let's go. This is getting so cooked. This episode, hell. I think we've got to call it off here before we. Like, start advocating for Granville to fall back again. You know what? I, th- I think you're right. Because, honestly, what the hell? Granville won a comp at fullback, never forget. A real adult one, too. The 2011 Queensland Cup Grand Final, that were coached by Paul Green and Jake Granville was the fullback. Really? And they won. Yep. And then the next year, they moved Granville to hooker with Paul Green at coach, and they won again. So, Jake Granville... Played two completely different spine positions and went back to back in grand finals with Paul Green as the coach. Put him at center for Dave Gagai. <laughs> that's more like it. That's it. That's that's a D take of the night. Um. All right. We'll finish this off by. We love yeah. our footy. Oh, not yet. Not yet. We'll do two things. We'll do first. We'll do, what do we want to see from Queensland? What, what do you want to see from Queensland coming into game three? Obviously, it's that Suncorp, so we have the home advantage. Not that I don't think, not that that matters, I think. I think I'll put it down to three things. One, very hard backline carries. You know, no, no dilly-dallying. Just take it straight up the middle. You know, um, second, I'd like to see us do absolutely everything I can, everything we can to get on the front for tackles. 
even if it means doing a bit of a cheeky surrender that might not get penalised for. I don't know how cooked it is to say that because I obviously have not played rugby league since under sixes, Townsville Brothers Green. No, not Brothers Green. Brothers, I can't remember which colour brothers I played for. I'm getting old. Um, I'm way past my footy days. That's <laughs> nah, it's um, actually, he was on that team actually. He was pretty fast. I'll tell you that. Uh, no, no surprises. He's gone on to play on the 19s or Origin, or you know, go to the Knights. Good player, good fella. Uh, so yeah, hard, hard carries out of the back line. Do what you can to get onto the front for the play of the ball. Especially, you know, knowing the Gerbo is going to be up the middle, trying to get you onto the back. Do everything you can to avoid that situation. And third, line speed. Because um, mm. even if you do get one of those guys, line speed and kick chase, especially pair them. Because if you do have to kick, uh, which you're obviously going to have to, uh, whether it's to Teddy, Bizarre, or whether it's to um, uh, Tupo, Kick it hard and flat. Just go across the ground. Don't try waste anything. Get mega good kick chases. Hopefully turn them around. Obviously, you know, Cherry Evans is a smart player. He's, he's trying to do that. You can't always do it. But get the kick chase and line speed to be good enough so that even if one of them makes a good carry, the other ones don't get to make fantastic ones. What well, I want to see my three things. I want composure. That's the number one thing I want. Mm. Composure is where you win games. Don't stress. If you're behind by tw- points, that's the one thing you need is composure. You do not stress because if you stress, you start doing dumb mistakes. Yeah, it was that lack of focus once again that Billy spoke about. So yep. that's a good point. Uh, second, uh, one thing you mentioned, winning tackles. You need to win tackles. Um, the first five sets, you need to be winning tackles in this game, I believe. Uh, that will set a precedent for what is to come later in the game. As I said earlier, there's a chain reaction in the origin. Do not let that chain reaction be a negative in the first five sets. Third, do not rely on monster. Mm, that's going to be a massive one because obviously when it comes to monster... It's very hard to rush out of the line against him because yeah. he does like to break the tackle and he can see things. He kind of, there's a few players that kind of just have that ability when you rush out of the line that they kind of just find a way to duck out of it. I think it was something that Anthony Milford was notorious for back when he was playing much better. And even a few times last year uh, towards the back end, he just kind of got that skip out of the way. And Munster has the exact same thing about him. Lockyer, I think, had it as well, where rush out of the line at them, but they just, they find that way to get that right little shift, the little skip over, get themselves into space. But that's, that. yeah, I, I agree. We can't exactly rely on that because especially when there's not that much space for him, if a guy rushes out, you're not always going to get that overlap. That's the one thing, I, while Munster was present within game two, game one, he was very potent because we had that ruck speed. We had that field mm. advantage. He was he was able to skip and break tackles. Munster cannot do that if our forwards are not performing and our back five isn't performing. Mm. 
Exactly. So back five, you, you really need to step up here because we, we're going to get trampled over if we're not taking hard, hard carries. Yeah. And the last thing we need to see is Granville to center. Hey, he, he won Cowboys player of the year last year. Remember that? Granville and Cohen Hess for the centers. All right, let's get on the, on the tipping. Holy hell. <laughs> All righty. Um, so there's four games this week because of buy round. Um, so we, we'll, we'll do a little discussion of each game because we have, we have time. Uh, Sharks versus Storm. All right. So no Nico for this one, but also no Munster for this one. Uh, so no Nico, no Munster. I think the, the team that suffers the most from this is the Sharks because Obviously, Nico's been their best player, but yeah, Matt Moylan will have to step up here a bit more, um, because he will not have the freedom as he's had in the past couple games with Nico. Mm. There. So I'm leading towards Storm. My big thing is you have, okay, you have no... Grant and you have the monster, but you still got Hughes, you got Pappy, and you got Brandon Smith there. I I trust Brandon Smith there. They don't have Kafusi though. That's another thing. Good point. Do we do we see them shift more left with their two pass shifts now with Hughes and Meany <laughs> running seventy six? I think the left side would be more potent as it usually is. However, expect more traffic on that side. Yeah. So I think we'll see a lot of shapes where Hughes plays first receiver and we start to see the Pappenhaus and jockey runs instead of him just playing in support. Mm. And I also think it would be good running left side to the Sharks' right side because you've got Braden Trindle there who hasn't been playing first grade this year. Um, so just target him. You get Kenny Bromwich there. Short, you start off short with Kenny at Trindle, and then that's when you insert Pappenhausen out the back. Mm. So I'm going Storm on this one solely because of history, depth, and smart tactics from Hughes. What yeah. Um, what about you? Jeez, this is a hard one to tip, isn't it? Jeez, you, because the reality is that they're not the same teams that we usually watch, so we don't really know what to expect. Um, I think in terms of spine, it's, I think you'd obviously say that Melbourne have the better spine, uh, because they've got Hughes playing seven, who is, you know, one of the best sevens in the comp. However, I think... Looking at some of the outs for Melbourne, and when you look at the fact that Melbourne struggled last week as well, you know, is Melbourne have shown in patches that they are susceptible to lose by quite a lot. Mm. Um, if you know the star players are out, they've never gone. That they very rarely go back to back losses. Though I know that people have been saying that a lot. I think they did it this year. Yeah, just Cowboys and Penrith. Uh, also, want to point out that 
they they were pretty much getting flogged by Manly up until the last six minutes. I don't know how much significance that holds. If we look at the team that played against Manly, they obviously once again there was no mud stuff. Um but they did have Harry Grant there who played the eighty. They Pappenhausen as well. Do we think that Meany is going to do a better job than Jaden Nicarima? You'd, you'd think so. Mm. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a hard one to tip. But I think that lack of Hines is going to make me go with the Sharks. Because I do think Hines is one of the best in the business. Uh, he's, he's a great organizing and running seven. He kind of does it all. He's a nice mixed bag. Yeah. It's going to be a big loss of that shark without Nico in this game, though. Yeah, if Nico's playing, I would tip the Sharks. Yeah, but oh, yeah, but it's been confirmed. But they got they cut him, remember? Yeah, he won't play. But if he was hypothetically playing, I would tip the Sharks. So I do want to make clear that that's the point of difference for me. All right. So you're going to tip Storm? So, yeah. Okay. All right. Next game Newcastle versus. Rabbitohs. All right. So, what do you think about this one? Um, I think it's another hard one. Yeah. Every game this round, you can definitely look at from the angle of an upset and you can see that there's a reason behind it. I think including the Tigers and Eels because the Eels always play to their opposition's level, it seems. Um, for this one, I'm going to go Rabbitohs. Uh, Quite simply, oh, I don't know. I, yeah, I think I'll go Rapidos, but it's not a strong Rapidos. I just think that, you know, having Luttrell back is, yeah, it's just something else, you know, being able to start off your sets with Luttrell, being able to have him as an option. Um, that said, I don't think the Knights would be too far off it just based on their form last week and also some of the people they're getting back. Jaden Braley is coming back. Yeah, that's uh, I can see. Brandon Best is coming back. That's, you know, those are some pretty impressive guys that they're getting back in. That is very true. Mm-hmm. I just thought, okay, no KP there. You put Tex Hoy in there. I'm not saying Tex Hoy is bad. I just, I just think KP would be... If KP was Bell. there, I would be yeah. more confident. Yeah. I if they chose to start Braley and play KP, obviously, but he's gone for origin, I would lean towards Knights. But just, you know, the fact that they've got Latrell there who obviously played quite well last week. He likes to break up play. Um Walker, I think, plays better when he's in attacking shapes with Latrell. Yeah. However, I think no Cameron Murray is also going to be a massive point of difference. So it's going to be really interesting. Well, we, we had a couple of games with, uh, when Murray wasn't playing because of shoulder injury. And they did okay. You have um, Tola and Burgess in your props. And you got Mark Nicholas, the GOAT. Yeah. But it's it's more the ball playing option he mm-hmm. rights Because a lot of what Cody Walker was able to do, people will say was off the back of Reynolds. But a lot of what Reynolds was able to do was actually off the back of Murray. Yeah. 
there's a great video by Anthony Seabold from last year breaking down their attack and especially how they like to go down the left side. But that's all I really have to say about that game because my phone is on 1%. All righty. And two games will just go quickly. Tigers, Eels. Eels, I think their forward pack gets it done. Tigers forward pack has been atrocious this year. Um, so them as well. I'll go Eels. Broncos, Dragons. Dragons, I'm tipping Dragons. I think the Broncos outs are going to be massive for them. And I think that when you're looking at the Dragons and the Dragons themselves, I think their forward pack gets the job done. You know, I'm, I, I think I'm going to go Dragons too. Um, my only big A is... No hunt. No hunt. Yeah. I think Sullivan is a pretty solid player, and I think he's going to surprise a few people this weekend. I, I think so too. Um, alrighty. I think that is all it for this week on the yeah. podcast. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. Uh, Jacob, thank you for joining me again. Yeah. It's been a great, a cooked episode, as some would say. A cooked episode. We need more cooked episodes. Yeah. It was what do we love? We love footy. We love footy. Thanks, everyone. Yeah.